Welcome to a conversation with, and I am your humble host, Floyd Marshall Jr. And I am joined today by someone that I highly respect. This, this brother is so dope when it comes to the sci-fi genre and filmmaking, visual effects, uh, AI, chat GPT, editing, cinematography, you name it, this man does it. I'm just gonna read you a small snippet of what Mr. Darian Dianju, did I get that right? Danju. Danju, Darian Danju. I'm just gonna give you a small snippet of what this brother does. Darian Danju, now it says here, he's an up and coming, but this brother has arrived. Award-winning <laughs> director based in Atlanta, Georgia, who focuses on short and feature-length narrative films. Darian's science fiction film, short film, Hop, which I watched today, which was crazy. We got to talk about that. Was a finalist at the Atlanta Sci-Fi Film Festival in his recent science fiction short film, Pony, another phenomenal film, won seven out of 11 awards at the Constellation Film Festival in Atlanta, including Best Picture, Best Direction, Best Cinematography, and Best Editing. Pony screened as an official selection of Gentleman Jack's Real to Real, hosted by Omari Hardwick, Ronlin's Film Festival, Atlanta Sci-Fi Film Festival, Berlin Sci-Fi Film Festival, and it continues its momentum on the festival circuit. Uh, Darian's one take horror short film, Mommy, has screened in theaters to rave reception, another dope ass film, and has uh, generated, now, it says here over half a million, but ladies and gentlemen, that number has been exceeded. This film has over a million views on YouTube, and we got to get into that about the monetizing of your YouTube channel. Yes, sir. Now, Darian is open to opportunities to write and or direct featuredly projects based on the stories introduced by his proven short films, such as Pony, Hop, or Mommy, or working on completely new projects, especially in the science fiction action horror and thriller genres. I'm going to repeat something really quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Darian is open to opportunities to write, direct, and or direct feature length projects. Now, the reason that I restated that is if you are about to embark on a film and you are in the Atlanta area, or if your budget is such that you can actually fly somebody out, then this is a gentleman that you need to contact to get on your film. I, I'm very serious about that. If your budget allows for it, this is someone that you definitely need on your product or, or your product and your project. Uh, but Monica on the mic says, hi. Hi, Monica. Thank you so much for joining us. Darian, hey. welcome to a conversation with Sir. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, man. Thanks so much for having me on, man. Yeah, it's fun oh. to be here. Oh, yeah, this is definitely a no-brainer. Welcome to a conversation with where we sit down with some amazing people in the film, media, and entrepreneurial space. We're going to talk about what makes them successful, and hopefully we'll give you something to help you maximize your business but more importantly, to maximize your life. So sit back and enjoy a conversation with, and I'm your host, Floyd Marshall Jr. I wanted to have you on quite some time ago, but you, you are one of the hardest people 
to get in touch with because you know what you're always moving and and that's and that's that's a good thing because you're you're always working so when uh a couple of weeks ago i had an opportunity we were on the same stage together i said well, you know what let me message him right now while he's actually uh paying attention and and i can get him on and i'm and i'm so happy to uh that was good you did a show. good job on that because it, it was great timing because it's like it you know it, you know the thing is you know things it's good to be busy, right? It's like yes. if, if nobody's calling you, nobody's messaging you, you know, maybe something's not right. You know, I mean, not, not all is well in, in, in Pleasantville. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. yeah. So it, it's okay. I feel fortunate. But that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So we're going to get into this uh, because I know people are, are are really interested in hearing, you know, what it is that you uh, do. So how did you get started in the business? How did that happen? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I, I was one of these folks who I was afraid to get into the business in the early part of my life uh, mm. because I didn't really come from a culture that understood that that film was like a viable way of earning money. You know, with my parents are uh, British guy, British Guyana, my father and Jamaica, my mother. And, and those are not really countries, at, at least at the time you know what you could you could be in an entertainment industry in any reliable way you see what i'm saying so it, it's not something to say that they just didn't have the you know have the foresight but it's more they're going off of their reality right which is like you know how many directors really are able to like you know pay their bills on a full-time basis who are exclusively in jamaica it's not many you could probably count them on a couple hands so so that wasn't even though they saw that i was really busy with the stuff when i was young it wasn't something that they would have ever encouraged as like oh you can actually go into that path so i did end up going to business school and i ended up working in the software industry as a consultant for for the first career but all the while i was writing scripts taking classes going to art and animation school and doing everything i could do on the side you know what i'm saying to keep those creative juices flowing and at some point I had enough people coming at me, asking me for projects, hiring me to do different things that I was like, you know what, well, what's it going to take to go ahead and transition this thing to full time? So that that was about, let's say, five years ago that that transition happened. OK, so, I, you know, I want to go back. To your high school days for a second, because I was listening to an interview that you had done previously and you were speaking about how you write. And the English teacher that basically put you on the path to how you're writing now. And I, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but I thought that story was so interesting because oftentimes it's that one person that puts you on a trajectory. And years later, you're like, wow, that was the point. So can can you can you talk about uh, I can't I can't remember the gentleman's name but but you you mentioned him in an, in another interview where uh, yeah. you you were talking about how he kind of basically made you condense your thoughts. Oh yes! Oh my goodness! Until okay. into, into one sentence. This 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 is yeah. Thank you for bringing that up because this is somebody who definitely definitely changed my life. You know, so when I was younger, high school, I I was I was bright and I was motivated. But I had a lot of ideas. I didn't have a lot of times in the writing side of it, the structure of how I would get those out. Because I, I was already writing pretty big idea stories, you know, from, from nine years old, 10 years old, I'm writing these stories. But, but they were just sometimes so big that nobody could really understand them. 
And, and I turned in a paper in ninth grade once, and this is in, in regular, you know, regular English, you know, ninth grade English. I turned in this paper and, and, and my teacher was just like, I really, really enjoy your stories. They're so exciting. You, you're full of these big ideas. He says, but, but I, I want you to do something for me. He's like, just, just read this page that you turned in and stop when you get to the first period. <laughs> right. So I start reading this thing and I'm going on and on and on. And I, the, the, the period came at the end of the page. Wow. Like a full page of writing and only one punctuation mark, a period at the very end. And, and, and he said, he said, you, you see what I'm saying? He's like, you gotta put, you gotta, you gotta put periods and punctuation in at some point. You have to give us time to breathe and absorb some of these ideas. And so he said, listen, uh, right now that your grade on this is, is not a passing grade, but if you will be willing to go back and rewrite this paper, and I don't care if it makes coherent sense, I don't care if it, you know, is all perfect, as long as you keep to one idea per sentence, I will give you an A plus on this paper. <laughs> wow. that's all that mattered and so i went back and i like redid the whole thing and it was hard for me that was hard i i, mm -hmm. I was I, I found myself trying to put you know i was putting three four ideas and then you know because this and then because i was like you can't say this one thing to them without letting them know that this and this and then he thought it and he was going to go over there because he knew that he could do you know and it's like no just say that he went to the to the end of the driveway period once he reached the end, he looked left and right, period. You see what I'm saying? It's like simplify. And I did that. He gave me the A plus and And I basically turned from uh, having like a low C in that class to ending that ending that with an, with an A plus. And that was literally the turning point that I switched into going into honors English and AP English and actually turned out to be, you know, like a, a, a fantastic writer, which was not something that I would ever have associated with myself with before that. You know, I just thought of, you know, I didn't think I thought I was pretty good at math and, and, and science and, you know, pretty geeky, but I didn't know of myself as like good at communication. And so so he actually set me on that path to realize that that I actually could, you know, do that pretty well. So, yeah, thanks. Thank that was Mr. Baker. Actually, I just remember Mr. his Baker. name is Mr. Baker in ninth grade. Yep, he did it. Wow. It, it, it's interesting that he kind of said, OK, I need you to just condense all of this into one thing. They're, they're phenomenal ideas, but you need to condense it into one thing. And oftentimes when you see writers that are not really seasoned, they wanna tell you every single thing that's going on and they're leaving nothing to the audience's imagination. You're not allowing me to get fully you know, invested in this story because you're telling me everything that the character is going to do from start to finish. Where the hell's the fun in that? Because sometimes you want to sit and you want to watch and you're like, oh, I know what's about to happen. But right. when you're telling every single thing, you're taking the fun out of it and it's like, okay, am I watching a movie or am I watching painting by the numbers? But that's great. And, and I have a, a similar story because uh, English was my, was my subject in school. I loved it. Uh, yeah. I had advanced English all throughout high school. And but when I was in middle school, I would always get caught reading in class. Mm. And one day my my teacher you said, bad, you bad kid, all that yeah. reading, right? <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah. my, my teacher made me stay after class one day and everybody was like, ooh, thinking something bad was going to happen. And he said, okay, you can't read in class anymore. He said, but I see how much you love it. So I'm going to do something for you. And he handed me a book on Greek mythology. Mm. And that was the end of it. Woo. Because I'm a, I'm a big science fiction geek myself. When, when that yeah. world opened up, wow. I said, oh my God. You're like, let's go. Darren, it was like, this stuff actually exists. Mm. So teachers are, so if any teachers are watching, thank you so much because you do such an amazing yes. job. You, you, yes. you really, 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 really do. Now, now with that, so you, you, you move forward. And for your first foray into filmmaking, you decided to shoot a full length feature film. <laughs> Man, Floyd, you paid attention, brother. You, <laughs> I give you credit because you, you, you were paying attention. And bro, you know what? The funny thing is, those two stories are highly related. They're very related because they, they really do show kind of like my personality is always like I go as big as possible first. I shoot, I shoot big, you know what I'm saying? And you have to actually pull me back to realize, oh, we need to pull back a little bit, right? You know, and, and that was the thing. It was like, I've been writing these screenplays. I knew I could write, you know, because now we're flash forward. I've done screenplay classes. I've put my screenplays into uh, award things. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, I don't know if y'all remember, but there, Kevin Spacey actually used to have a thing called Trigger Street. And Trigger Street was like a website similar to like Project, the thing that the uh, those guys do, Greenlight. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Project Greenlight and these type of things mm -hmm. where it's like, uh, and, and the Blacklist, to be honest now, the Blacklist, where you're you're outside the industry but it's trying to give you a window to where you could get into the industry you know submit your thing and then you know whatever so i, I had two screenplays that at, at one point were number one in the science fiction genre on those mm. sites and those were my two most popular screenplays you know in the beginning that i had written it, at the time one was called illuminati i've changed the name since but you know, one was called Illuminati and I was making, and that's a story I actually at some point will still make, but it was a story about like a technology take on the Illuminati where it's not a society that's necessarily so much based exclusively in like money and clandestine meetings and power. But what mm -hmm. they do is they try to just stay ahead by staying on top of all the technology. So like you, Floyd, let's say you were in your, in your, you got a garage uh, experimental lab that you're working on something secret or whatever, and you come up with a breakthrough, they've kind of got eyes everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. And as soon as they catch on to somebody who's, you know, more than 5% ahead of like the rest of the world, they'll basically like snatch you up and recruit you in. But it's not like in a way that you would, it's not in a, it is nefarious, but it's not deliberately nefarious. So, so basically mm -hmm. they're going to kind of game you. Right, they're gonna position things around you to kind of put you in scenarios and see what decisions you make, and then kind of lead you toward toward them. But anyway, the main character of this one, Gene, isn't is his name by by chance? Black black guy. I was really proud to write, you know, my very first you know big character, you know, a, a, as a black guy who's a science guy. He's like he's top of the um, you know 
genetics and, and bio, you know, bio, biotechnology community. He's like a superstar and everything like that. But he's the guy who, who kind of gets tapped. And so the what he all has to go through in that process of, you know, of, of being identified by this group that never sleeps, lives forever, and will stop at nothing. They move faster, they think faster, they never sleep, and they'll stop at nothing to maintain the secrecy of their of their privacy and their privileged existence, you know? So, so that was that, that film was at, at the top of that one. I had that option to come. People love that film. And, and there were so many options where it had been optioned and picked up where it was going to move into production, but then mm-hmm. uh, other circumstances, industry related type of stuff where, you know, this, you know, didn't go through, you know, the stories it's, it's like, it's, it's nightmare to try to get your film through the entire process. But, that's what made me want to be a director was was actually going through that process with my with my scripts and the frustration of not having any control over what all these weird things that happen you know what i mean and like like my thing had been optioned right uh, the, the illuminati one they were we were gonna we were in pre-production on it we were like oh, actively wow. getting this thing ready but but it was very much dependent on the success of the prior film that the production company had done Mm. And they went and and screwed that film all the way up so that it put the company out of business, uh, Floyd. Like literally, literally the film prior did so poorly that it wow. that the company basically shut shut down and, and the director who was the head of that company, he went back and picked up a bunch of music video product uh, projects in order to pay off some of the debts that he had incurred, you know, setting up these projects and, and that was it. So yeah, that's the kind of thing that... Uh, I'm glad for those experiences because it, it let me know early enough on that I am the type of person who I would prefer to take more control of my projects and um, mm-hmm. you know be the director as not not just the writer. Yeah. So so where where is that film now? So the one the one that you actually ended up up shooting. Yeah. So the one. All right. What, so, what, what, did, what did you what did you do with it? Got it. So so that that film. So now, so so that was kind of the backstory to show you that at that point I had a good level of confidence with my film, my, with my writing, right? right? So I felt at that because I, I did a long journey before I decided to direct, right? It was like I was doing that writing, the option stuff that I was just telling you about. Then I took those the two best scripts uh, at the time. I wrote novels out of those. Hmm. Those novels are available on, on Amazon to this day. And uh, I sold a lot of copies of those novels and I actually used so that, that money from those sales to actually finance moving into, into film, right? So that first project I did, I was using that book money and I basically went straight for a feature because I was like, I, I can write the feature. I'm a, I'm a badass, you know what I mean? <laughs> and um, and I never, like I had shot, I shot a little music video, like I had done that, but like, I was, I was just like, let's go, let's just go. Full green screen. I built a green screen cyclic in my, uh, in my apartment uh, out of the dining room. I, I, I went and put these boards on the wall. I painted green, I made the curved corners. I had everything. I had put the little, the dots, the little markers, all this other stuff. But what I didn't realize was my computer couldn't handle 4K footage and doing all that green mm. screen stuff. My little MacBook Pro <laughs> 2013. I was like, I was like, and it's so it's just, it was just ignorance. You know what I mean? It's just like ambition over, over, overweening 
kind of ambition and 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 just you know taking the fact that I was very confident about the writing part, but I knew nothing about the filming part. You know, it was just very very over the top. But I wouldn't change it for the world because the people I met, I met a lot of people that are still my my good collaborators to this day on many projects. A lot of the actors I have on there, I've worked like that actress from Mommy, who does the um, she does the crawl at the end. Okay. Ooh, she the reason I met her. Yeah, bro. She I met her because Amy Maylou. Uh, I met her because of Escape Room. She was she was in that, and I met my good my good friend Eben Jones, uh, who who's my boy to this day. Unfortunately, he's moved out to L.A. You know, you know, doing his acting thing and everything like that. Uh, but but Eben, you know, those are people I met on that very first project, and I'm still friends with them, and I still work with them to this day. So, you know, it was it was ambitious. But it was delicious. <laughs> it makes, okay. You know what I mean? Ambitiously yeah. delicious. Ambitiously delicious, man. So to answer your question about where it is now, we shot it. So we shot the whole thing. It's all on green screen. Every scene has green screen. And I wasn't involved in visual effects at the time. I, did, I had no idea of anything related to visual effects. So it's in the can. So, I mean, I, I do think this is a film I will revive now that I'm further along and I'm actually, you know, pretty, pretty advanced in the visual effects side of things. So I, I think it's a film that'll come back and people will see it. Yeah. So, so now wait a minute, because I know, you know, as you said, you're heavily into visual effects now, but you yeah. weren't back then. So that's right. What made you decide to do green screen? Was it be the type of film because of the type of film that it was? That you said it would be yeah it I was like because i knew i was into sci-fi okay so it was like my my sci-fi ambitions is what brought me to visual effects so it was like i was writing stuff and i wanted it to have that sci-fi look that i was so in love with from watching and you know and envisioning this stuff but i had literally no no skill or any idea like even the idea of like making that green screen wall i looked all that up on youtube right it was all like mm -hmm. Well, if I want them to be in this like future, because it was ba it's called escape room, so it's basically like a futuristic version of an escape room where it's all like the sci-fi escape room, and it had like it was supposed to have like these like kind of like like digital electrified walls keeping them contained, so it's like a contained thriller, and then they would have to solve these puzzles to like different than an escape room, they solve puzzles in order to basically survive the next round right and so these people are dropping off one by one by one and uh nine will enter or nine will enter but only one will leave <laughs> you know that, mm. that type of thing so 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 yeah so i mean it's just it's just a pure idea of ambition of wanting to have those visual effects and wanting to have that but not any kind of clue of how hard it actually was would be to actually produce that type of that level of visual effects so after you you guys shot it and you you found out that your MacBook Pro at the time could not handle the 4K resolution, did that kind of take you in the direction that you said, I need to learn how to actually do this? So if this situation comes up again, I know exactly what I need to do. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It started me in that direction of thinking, how do I do this stuff? Uh, because I knew that the level of budget that it would take to do what I wanted to do 
would was far beyond anything I would have been able to pay anybody. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, my daughter's in school and private school here in Atlanta at the time. And, you know, all this other stuff, you know, those bills just keep going. Right. That that stuff never stops. Yeah, my dreams, my dreams are moving in this direction. But guess what? The bills are still, you know, the bills are moving right bills along. Bills don't care them. what kind of dreams you got. They, they <laughs> the bills don't have dreams, you know what I'm saying? The bills like, that's <laughs> nice. Now pay me, please. Now pay me. You're, I, I have a dream that you pay me right now. So, <laughs> so you know, so I knew I had to do things in a, in a low budget way. And so that that's where, you know, that film was all favors. Right. You know, shout out to Reed Stegall, shout out to Philip, Philip McEnroe Rakesh, who helped me, you know, just get through that and everything like that. But but though that led me down the path of like, how do I get it done? <laughs> you know what I mean? On a, on a lower budget. And so but I said, you know, what? let's do a smaller film first. Let, let's let's figure out how, how it's really done. Oh, OK, you make a short film. And so I did a 48, 48 hour film festival that year, which which got me into that pro- process and then I did hop later that later that same year. So that feature was at the beginning of the year and hop was was shot in uh, November of that same year within that first year. Yeah. So that's interesting. The gentleman this is a gentleman that I listen to uh cuz I'm heavily into personal development. A gentleman by the name of yeah. Ed Milet. Mm, uh, Ed mm. Milet always talks about things don't happen to you, they happen for you. Mm-hmm. And although that film didn't come to fruition the way you would have liked. It led to other things, and and those and I, I want to talk about that because you you've made some some pretty dope short films, and you know besides this feature film not working out and kind of taking you to another direction, uh, what was the process and and how did you come up with the ideas for each one? Because Pony mommy and hop were amazing films and and i really have to commend you darian because as someone who had a film festival and i have a virtual film festival and i've judged a lot of films and the one thing that i listen to first and foremost is sound Mm. and your sound on all of the all of those films was absolutely amazing and i'm just sitting there watching those films saying Damn, this is some good sound. So, what was what was the uh, the thought process behind each of those films? Because they were absolutely phenomenal. Th- thank you, man, and and shout out shout out to sound and and that's the other aspect of the story that I don't share as much on Clubhouse. But you know, I actually ran a music studio in Atlanta mm. for a number of years uh, after getting out of college. So I was producing. You know, I, I had a, a kind of a for hire studio where. You would come in there, rent rent studio time, and then you know put down your your rap song or your R and B song that you're. I did a lot of people's demos, you know, and and also sometimes a lot of times they would come in, and I would have these you know CDs of of tracks that they could do their demos over. Like a lot of times they might not have the music, but they want to show off their their voice or or do whatever. So I was supporting them a lot. So 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 that piece of it is still part of the story that is coming along with, but but a lot of people on Clubhouse haven't really heard that story that much uh, because I've been really actively focused on the on the film side of things since that's more of a, it, you know, I feel like I'm more in catch up mode on the film side, whereas, mm-hmm. you know, music music is something that that I felt more confident with from having the studio and doing all of that. But But that history, I'm so in love with sound. 
You know, I mean, I love, I, I feel like it is 60% of the storytelling experience. You know, if you literally give me a choice of, of high quality sound or high quality cinematography, and I can only choose one, I will choose sound and I won't even think about it, you know? And the reason I believe that's true is because I know that Orson G. Wells was able to scare the shit out of like half of America, making them think that aliens were, were invading the country with oh, no yeah. visuals, just pure sound, just pure radio. So if he could in invoke that type of emotion with just pure sound, sound, sound is where it's at. You know what I mean? Like, like, like mommy has, so I spent so much time on the sound design. Like, you don't know how much it warms my heart for you to recognize that because I'm sitting in there looking at all the little sounds and all the little ways things like, yeah, because it's, it's, it's really, it's really, yeah, I know that that's what moves people in the end. Yeah, because, uh, again, listening to an interview that you were doing, I think it was with Ching, and you're talking about language versus feeling. And, yes, sir. you know, I'm a big proponent of language, but when you were, the way you were explaining language versus feeling, this kind of goes into that. Because when I was watching Hop, there's not a lot of dialogue but that background music really yeah. set the tone. The background music and the lighting really set the tone. So you can really convey an emotion through sound. Basically what you were saying, that you can yeah. convey an emotion through sound. And that's why when you score a film, it's so important that you score it correctly. Because how many times have you watched a sci-fi movie where the, the uh, what, what's, what's the name of that? Um, sci-fi, it was a sci-fi horror movie, Event Horizon. Event Horizon, One of my yes. favorite movies of all time. Yeah, yeah. And and the- Shout the out to Lawrence Burn. Burn. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he's walking through deep. the ship, but he's not saying a word. Right. He's hearing all of these sounds. That yes, film, sir. I'm a grown, all right, ladies and gentlemen, it's I'm a scary. grown ass man, that but that film scared scary. me, that's a freaking, sound imagine if that happened to you and you're on a spaceship you can't go anywhere floyd like you know what i'm saying you can't just be like okay i'm ready to go home turn this you know what i'm saying like that's scary man <laughs> it is it is so so again you know and then so let's talk about mommy but before we do that i want to talk about hop yeah, yeah. The end of the film. I don't know if you can share what happened to him. Oh wow. Okay. So this is so funny. So the end of the film is totally different than what I planned. Right. And Hop, Hop, I would say, is an a very, very it's very planned to a very highly detailed level. Like I had, I would really went into the shot listing and the the, the pre-production and the colors I wanted them. Like, I really spent a lot of time preparing that because I was on the backlash of this feature, you know what I'm saying, that I had never gotten to complete. So I kind of mm -hmm. felt like I had to prove something to myself and to the world with Hop, okay? Okay. So I, I was, I was kind of shooketh. <laughs> and I was like, I gotta nail this, right? So I'm doing all this effort. And I totally had the intention of cutting to the view of what he was seeing mm. right and i it, and it's still an I, the funny thing about it is the closest thing i've ever seen in film to it is tenant so 
I I'm very very enamored of of time, like the idea of time moving forward and moving backwards and doing all this at the same time. So I was gonna show what the drug was having him see in the in the mm-hmm. room. But when I got into the edits and when we got onto set, this brother uh, Joshua Quinn, who's somebody I worked with multiple times at this point, I will I will always work with this dude. He is mm-hmm. just so he's an improv actor. He's, he's become one of the Dad's Garage players. For those who know uh, Dad's Garage in Atlanta, he worked his way up and joined that crew. He's so good at improv. Just This is just an aside, Floyd, but just be, like Joshua Quinn is so good at improv. I've seen him do an improv knockout one Saturday night where they start with 10 improv players in Dad's Garage, right? And they get scene after scene, and then they have to try to, they have to basically knock each other out. Mm. And the audience gets to vote by claps each time which one wins that particular scene. And so through the course of the night, you see them in all these different scenes. They get points. They get eliminated one by one. And then until the point that he was one but one and one person standing, just two, two, two improvers left standing, Joshua and somebody else. And Joshua, now for the most part, we're laughing our asses off the whole night because it's improv comedy. It's funny as hell. They're just going off. They're they're like unchained, right? But this brother on the final one, he he gets his prompt, he gets his situation, and he had to play with himself. So they said, you have to be, you're going to be, it's a breakup scene, and you have to play the boyfriend, and you have to play the girlfriend. Oh, wow. Right? So that was a setup. So we're all thinking this is going to be hilarious because this guy has been making us almost split our pants laughing the whole evening. He gets on there and he he goes full drama, bro. Like he doesn't do there. He doesn't break character. He hops from one seat to the next and tells about like, I don't know. I can't remember, you know, he can't even try to remember all the stuff he was, you know, it was like, I've been trying to relate to you. And it just seems like our love language is on a different level. You know, I'm sending you messages that don't seem like they're getting received. And then he goes back on the other side. I've been receiving those messages, but, you know, it's like my heart is so hurt. You know, and like he just does full drama. And I, I'm I'm thinking he's going to it's going to be like a button or a joke at the end. Right. That's just going to tie it all off. And and I he doesn't ever break. He stays in the drama. And I look around at the audience and I see this row of women watching at the front, they came out, it was like clearly girls night, they came out with like seven or eight of them, right? These women are all in tears. Mm. They are all in full blown tears. And I'm like, this is a comedy show. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end, he said st- he stands up, no standing ovation. They don't even basically even do the judging at the end. Because right, so what's obvious. the point? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the other guy's like, yeah, they're like just just give it to the brother, you know what I'm saying? Because right now my heart's hurting, you know, you know. But anyway, that shout out to Joshua Quinn. He's the star of Hop, you know. And and so at the end, Joshua, he does this thing where he he's practiced like keeping his body still, mm-hmm. and he like holds his breath. And I'm the kind of director where if I see some shit going down that even if it wasn't planned, I'm gonna just keep the camera rolling, right? So I'm keeping this camera rolling, and everybody in the, in the, in the uh, in the in the on the set is like, "The fuck is going on with Joshua? Like, is he actually alive? Or like, it's been like two three minutes, and this brother hasn't actually breathed. Yeah, he's not breathing for like two three minutes. 
Like, bro, I'm telling you, like that time that it's on there is almost you almost really how long he stays like frozen like that without moving. At one point, the actress reaches over and and does something to his eye and he doesn't move. Mm. He doesn't move like she goes like this and pulls his eye to try to look in his eye to see, are you okay? (laughs) And he doesn't move, bro. So I don't know. It changed the weight of what he did. I was like, it would not make sense at this point for me to cut to some random ass high tech, you know, trying to be all like blah, blah, blah. I'm going to stay on this brother's face. And that, and that's how we're going to close the movie, you know? So, so that was it. And uh, yeah, so actors can change. You know what I'm saying? They can change. Definitely influence the way a movie ends. ends. But, so, but as far so, as so what happened to him, I kind of left that open. It's more like, I, okay. it's definitely an effect of the drug. And something in the drug is like fucking him up, but as mm. far as like what it actually is, I kind of just leave that open to interpretation. Okay, so it could be, it could be. Okay, see now my mind's racing because it could be anything because he could have hopped into somebody and he's and he's experiencing trapped. murder or anything. Yeah. Or that's, yeah, he's that's trapped. Exactly what I wanted to leave person it here. <clears throat> because you know what, I just thought of something. Yeah. Let's say, for instance, that the drug has a particular distance that you can't go beyond mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and if you go beyond that who <clears throat> you can't get back me, whoever hopped can't get back so right. the person you hopped into they jumped in an uber and right. they left and now they're go- now you have to try to get close enough to them to try to get the person back i like that a lot but but without knowing without knowing that that's even the issue you got to first figure out what the issue is before you even know yeah i love that i love that wow i love that yeah see i love the the beauty of that's the beauty of creation ladies and gentlemen because as you know what sometimes this is a phenomenal point that we're on right now because sometimes again leaving it up to the audience is a good thing because just like we're having a conversation right now this could be a conversation so they're they're trying to figure out what happened and and guess what this does ladies and gentlemen this plays into if you are the creator and you want to shoot a second film crowdfunding you want to know what happened in the first one i'm about to go crowdfunding (laughs) for the second one and we would love to have you on board to help us bring this about you got to think you got to think outside the box like that and, and, right. and it's crazy because I just had that thought just now sitting here talking to, with you about it. Yeah. Hey, everybody, it's Floyd Marshall, host of A Conversation With. Have you ever listened to a podcast and said to yourself, I'd like to ask him a question? Well, you can just message me with a question or a comment and I'll make sure to respond to it in the very next episode to your success. Visit anchor.com to send Floyd a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if, if I do sometimes feel like movies that are too closed that leave nothing. So what are you going to talk about at the end? You know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, he, he clearly died at the end. He died. Yep, he died. 
you know now i mean it could be like that but like even if it is a pretty clear what about like what's going to happen to the daughter after that or what's mm -hmm. going to happen at his job like are they going to get a replacement is his wife going to be able to recover from all of what they went through at least give something for people to talk about right like yes. that's I, when i go to movies i like to walk out and i like to be able to have conversations you know yeah that, that's beautiful so now and i have a question about uh something that you do on clubhouse because you have some absolutely phenomenal rooms on clubhouse but one room in particular one minute film school mm. how did you come up with the concept for that and why do you place so much importance on the film being only one minute in length and i've watched some of the films and if it's a minute and one second it can't it's not up for an award it's got to right. be one minute and one minute so so that's right talk about that yeah, it, it, it has to do a bit with, with discipline, right? Mm -hmm. You know, th this filmmaking thing, I, I've had some, like, I've had some discussions. I won't say arguments. I'll say the words discussions, right? But I've had discussions with folks online about, you know, the subject subjectivity of film. And while I believe that it is a subjective art, it's a creative art, it's subjective in, in, in general, there are many aspects of it that are not subjective. Right. Like if, if we if, if I watch two films and one film, the sound mix is shit and the other film, the sound mix is well done to me, that that is an objective criteria. Right. That sound mix is not as well done as the other one. Right. It's not like, oh, well, that's just everything is just an aesthetic choice. You know, there are things that are just not as well done. And. You know, I think that the problem with film is a lot of people come into the film industry thinking like it's all foo-foo and that you can kind of just do whatever you want and that is is validated by virtue of the fact that it's a creative art. But but there are a lot of things that are discipline-oriented in film that, that can ensure that you communicate effectively every time out the gate. You know, storyboarding or shot listing and storyboarding are a couple of those things because I don't know any filmmakers who storyboard their films and make crappy films. Mm -hmm. I haven't met them yet. Now, that doesn't mean I might connect with their story as much as somebody, you know what I'm saying? That that you can't guarantee. Like the level of emotion that, uh, that somebody will, will take out of it, that's going to be the subjective, right? That's the subjective part of it. But as far as like me communicating something effectively, like, if I if I need to know if Floyd is coming in and I need to know that Floyd took that drink of orange juice that the killer left for him, you see what I'm saying? Like, it's it's I need to know that. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you to communicate that story, if you never show the glass on the table and you never had that shot, and now all of a sudden Floyd is like like this or whatever like that i'm not gonna know what the fuck is going on you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying and you do watch you do watch a lot of films where certain jumps are made or leaps in logic and you'd be like i, I don't really know how where, where did that person even come from you know what i'm saying so I, I that part of it there's a certain discipline to it which i believe is more so objective right and that if you can master a lot of those objective things you can get to the level of your subjectivity being able to be expressed. But if you can't get those objective things, you never get there. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? If like, it's, it's almost like, it's, it's like with writing a screenplay. That's why screenplay format, like 
I don't like to, to put like too much attention on screenplay format, but you do need to go ahead. Like once you got that thing written, you need to go through it and make sure the format's right. Everything is spelled properly, that you're, you're, you're following the discipline because if not, people will never be able to get to the part of the, the luscious, whatever you wrote in there, because they're going to be right. so bogged down by all your formatting issues. They'll be like, why is the dialogue on the left side of the screen? Like, what, what, what are you doing? You know? So, so that's why the one minute, it's like, tell your story in one minute. If you were directing a commercial and you needed to deliver it to the Super Bowl, do you know those people are paying like $6 million for that 30 seconds or however much the people, I don't even know what it's up to now. It's some ridiculous number, but they're paying $6 million for 30 seconds. So how much now you got extra three or four frames that you think you could just go over on three or four mm -hmm. frames? That extra three or four frames is twenty five thousand dollars. That's money. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? So so like you just have to have that strictness about it, and 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 know that you're in control of your craft. That if you a minute is enough, you know what I'm saying? Like you should be able to tell that in a minute, and and you don't. You, that's it. You know what I mean? So and it makes it makes people sharper. It makes people sharper. It makes them understand that maybe maybe they don't need as much time in, in that middle part mm -hmm. that they thought they did. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But the second thing about it is I believe if somebody can master a minute, they can master 90 minutes. You know, that, yeah. that's just my belief. A lot of my a lot of the directors that you see out there that are doing consistently well, like like there are a lot of directors that have like up and downs, right? Mm -hmm. Like They'll tell one story. You can tell they were really passionate about that and got it all together. But then they might do two films that kind of eh, not really so much. And then they'll hit again with something else that they're really excited about. But the directors that tend to be consistent, a lot of them come out of commercials. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? You think about like a Ridley Scott, right? You think about like a F. Gary Gray, right? Who set it off. He came out of music videos and commercials. You think about even Antoine Fuqua from Training mm -hmm. Day. He came out of music videos. You see what I'm saying? Like they all came out of formats that were like very time limited. Like you can't go over the time frame. And uh, David Fincher, you know, he also came out of commercials and music videos. You know, Michael Bay, a lot of people like to hate on Michael Bay, but I think he's one of the best doing doing what he does. Like, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and put that on record. Like I really do think that Michael Bay is one of the best action directors of all time. You know, like, sure, he's not going for the Oscars. Sure, he's not, you know, fine arts of like, you know what I'm saying? But as far as like, you go into a movie and him entertaining you, like oh, that- you're gonna get entertained. He, you gonna get entertained, bro. He's gonna blow enough stuff up for you to keep your eyes on the screen. And I, and I saw Ambulance uh, last year, and I, I loved Ambulance with uh, Yahya Abdul-Amatane. And- Yeah, that was um, that movie was tight, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm like, yo, Michael Bay is still doing it. And he had that little 19-year-old uh, drone pilot that he hired to uh, come in and do They had drones that were going under the cars and doing all this oh, wow. stuff. So he stays, you know, on the cutting edge and everything like that. But but a lot of those people, they all came out of commercials and they all came out of, um, you know, they all came out of short form, right? They master the short form. And now when they do big, longer form, it's easy for them because you know they they know how to make sure every minute on screen counts. So that that is part of the reason that I'm focused on that. Yeah, great. Yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal played in that movie. What time? Mean, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake was Gyllenhaal was the, was the guy. Yeah, I was yeah. looking for that name. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I have a couple more questions, but Monica on the mic asked the question: 
and she said, I'd love to know if there are any upcoming projects that you can tell us about. I was going to wait to the end of the show, but you know what? Why not now? So what are you working on right now? Yeah. So the the next big project for me, it's time to do a feature again. Now we're back. We've come full circle. We've done enough of the shorts. We've done enough. I've done one minute projects. I've done I've done commercials. I've done music videos. It's time. It's time for the feature. It, it will definitely be science fiction, and it will definitely be with a lot of the lading, latest cutting edge technology that's out there in the film industry right now. A lot of you may know if you're in my rooms on Clubhouse or if you're in any space with me for more than 10 minutes that I, I tend to be on top of like what all is going on in technology as it relates to film specifically. So things like Unreal Engine, things like AI art, Mid Journey, you know, Blender, all of these things that are like pushing the envelope on new tech. I, I do tend to stay all over that stuff because I'm always looking for ways for me to be able to tell my stories that are larger than life, but with with the within the realms of life budget. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Okay. So that like if everybody people ask me, why are you a multi-hyphenate? Why did you get into visual effects? Why did you get into being a cinematographer? Well, a lot of that's just because by me knowing that I'm a uh, cinematographer and knowing that I can do these things, I can I can I can do them if I need to. And if I need to save budget and keep the budget down, but still get a high quality result, I know that I can hop in there. You see what I'm saying? So it, it really is out, out of the drive to be able to tell my stories and not be restrained by the fact of like somebody telling me oh you don't have money to do this so you can't do that i mean if i want to have explosions in my movie i know how to make explosions you know that i went to school for houdini which is the top end software for making explosions so i can do destruction i can do explosions i can do fantastical magic i can do all of these different things that typically an independent filmmaker would not be able to do and so the that is because i want to stay in a place where you know, if I want to have a spaceship that crashes into a building or whatever like that, I I, I don't want to ever be in a place where I, I can't do it because it's impossible. I want to be able to. That doesn't mean I'm just going to randomly put stuff in there because that shit still takes a lot of time. Right. So even if I'm doing it myself, it, you know, these are typically done with multiple teams, you know, and, and all that kind of thing. So I will try to pull back and keep it manageable, right? Because that's the new wisdom that I learned from going overkill with some of the early projects. But the point of it is, is I want to keep it indie. I want to stay in control of it. I'm a control freak now because of my, you know, because experiences I've been through. And so I'm not really out there rushing to look for like a lot of money from big financers or anything like that. This micro budget or nano budget project, I will likely do it completely on my own with, with no financing from anyone else so that it sets me up for the next project where there probably will need to be financing, right? But I want to be in a better negotiating position, you know, by having my own project that it's, 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 you can say like, look, this is not you gifting me anything or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you see, you see, I've done this one project. It was done for almost nothing and it did all this blah, 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 whatever it did. I don't know what it's going to do. You can't control, but it's going to do something because, because whatever I make is going to, it's, it's gonna have some kind of an impact on somebody because I am going to make something that I'm happy with. So if I make something that I'm proud to look at, that I will watch myself, like I, that's my whole criteria is like, if I'm making it, if I saw this on Amazon, 
would I buy it and watch it? Like, that's my whole thing, right? It's like, would I pay $7.99 or whatever, or $9.99 or whatever it would cost? And there's certain things that I will just buy. Like, I know from my own habits, right? I, I scroll through Amazon and I buy independent films. Like, I, I do. Like, if, if it's, people have their triggers. Like, some people are triggered by romance. Some people are triggered by comedy. Some people are triggered by, like, action, you know, violence and action. They like that gritty and some people want the family stuff and I'm triggered by sci-fi, right? Mm. So it doesn't matter if it's low budget or whatever, but if it looks like it's well done and it deals with like clones, for example, right? If it deals with biogenetics and like like clones, bro, I'm telling you, if you put a movie about clones on Amazon, I'm buying it. I'm going to watch it. Oh, wow. I'm going to buy it cuz I love clones. I just think I think they're clones walking around right now. Like I really Could do. You? Like I I yeah. I, I believe in that. And and so it's just like anything about exploring that idea of the idea that there might be somebody out there that looks just like you, that somebody cloned. And then you walk mm. around and you see another Floyd, Floyd Marshall and you're not you're not supposed to have seen that person because they separated you. You know what I'm saying? But you're traveling, you're in London somewhere and you see this dude and he looked just like you. And you're like, mm -hmm. hell? what the like, hell is going on? That's a striking looking dude. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, you're like what? Yeah, we're like, Ooh. dang, dang. And you know, and 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 so like I just am obsessed with that idea. I'm I wrote um a couple of short stories. Uh I have a character called the broker, which I want to make into a film at, at some point. Mm -hmm. But I wrote a series of short stories, uh, which they were out for a while and that kind of like pulled them back. They're not out uh, where you can see them now, but the broker is a character who at the time, I think I was, I wanted it to be played by uh, Carrie Washington. So she was, you know, Carrie, if you're out there, I got a story for you. Uh, but anyway, it was inspired by her. And the idea was that this, this character lives a very private life, right? But she gets called when people want to make a clone of somebody mm. for whatever reason. So, so it's like, she, you might, so let, let's say that you wanted to clone you know, you know, I'm trying to think of somebody who might be a little bit hard to get to, but but for some reason somebody and she doesn't ask any questions about why you want that clone. That's that's the reason people call her, because it's like obviously it's illegal, but then she will find a way to get access to their DNA somehow. She mm. uses all these secret like stealth techniques, you know, kind of almost like an assassin, mm. but instead of trying to kill somebody, she's just trying to get enough sample of their DNA to take back to her lab and make a copy of them. Wow. You feel me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People pay her millions for that. You know what I'm saying? And, and so uh, so that the broker is like this character that you guys will definitely see me. Uh, I've, I've written three short stories about her and, and I plan to make her into a thing at some point. But that's not the next project that I digress. But the project that I do will be a, a nano budget project with the latest technology. I might do something that's related to space. We'll see, but it'll be something that I can shoot without having to get finances from somebody else. Wow. So Monica said you would love, or maybe you've seen Orphan Black. Oh my God. I'm Orphan Black. Or, oh my God. Like I can't even speak. <laughs> I love, I Did love I get you Orphan started? Black. I, when I, or Trevor, Trevor Yao is the composer who did the music for Orphan Black. And I go back and play the, the theme song to the final episode of season one. There's a there's like a seven minute track. It's available on YouTube. It's available online, and I play that almost every time I'm starting a new uh, writing project. Mm -hmm. 
and that music is one of the tracks that I I have like a playlist of mm-hmm. you know you know your composition music composition music scores that I play while I write and that song is right there on that uh from Orphan Black cuz that show is Tatiana Maslani who plays in that is you know she'll forever be she'll ever be in the, you know like an icon for me as an actress yeah so is that on Netflix or it it is should be on um dang it because Orphan Black kind of came out pre-Netflix. Like, I, I feel like it came out. Oh, wow. This, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's really? been around for a while. Um, Monica might know better than me exactly where it's playing. But, um, yeah, I've, I've watched it. I've watched it probably at least 10 times straight through all oh, seasons. I'm going to have to find it. Yeah, it's really good, it. Floyd. It's, it's, it's really good. Yeah. Okay. I mean, she won so, multiple Emmys for it as well. Yeah. Wow. I'm definitely going to have to... Uh to find that. Well, we're almost out of time and I don't want to keep you. I did have a few questions, but uh, I'm going to ask this one. Yeah. Clubhouse. How has Clubhouse, because we met on Clubhouse, a lot of the people that have been on the show, I've met through Clubhouse. A lot of the amazing relationships that I now have, I've met through Clubhouse and I, and I developed yeah. and, and cultivated through Clubhouse. So how has Clubhouse changed your view of collaboration and how relationships are formed? Because I knew you said something regarding Clubhouse that initially you were a little leery about it, but once you got, and, and, and rightfully so, because you know, you're talking on the phone with people you've never met and you, you kind of form these, these, these relationships and these friendships and, you know, and especially at the time that Clubhouse was really big. So I think some people were forming relationships that for lack of a better term, weren't really real, but it felt good. So- Yeah, because we were in like a collective depression, basically. Right, so- so It was like one of the few moments in life in the world where everybody's kind of suffering some form of depression Mm-hmm. Because anything that you had planned, anything that you had envisioned, any life plans that you had, for the most part, got thrown out the window mm-hmm. <laughs> for most people. Like it was there was no planning. You couldn't tell me like the movie industry was was like ground to zero. Like, can you imagine like, the whole movie industry? Like there are people in the movie industry who never knew if the movie industry would ever recover. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? And, and even if it did recover, would they be alive or, you know what I'm saying, to even recover with it? Because, you know, I don't know that many people who can survive for two years with no income. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was fortunate during COVID. I, I, I could have been real messed up emotionally because literally right leading up to COVID, I had just, so 2019, okay, flashback to 2019, you, you, you know, my daughter is one of the most important people in my life to me. And she, I had taken her out to SIGGRAPH, which is a big computer art, arts and animation festival that happened in LA that year during the summer. And at that time she was, you know, between sophomore and junior year in college. And my idea was take her out to this big, you know, cutting edge technology festival, animation arts, when she would be able to like meet people. They're like Disney's out there, Pixar's out there, like all, all the major, every, all the major players are out there. So we're out there, she's getting numbers, she's getting cards, she's, you know, but my whole thing is like, inspire her around the technology, 
and get her some network people to follow up with for potential internships for the following year or whatever. So we're out there, but lo and behold, I'm the one who get, get inspired because at this point I had clients for VFX and for editing and, you know, things like that, but I was very indie with it, right? It was just however I could figure out how to do stuff was what I was doing. But when I saw some of the new technology, like Houdini, for example, and like and some of the other stuff, I was like, oh shit, I need to do a formal training to catch up to speed. You get what I'm saying? Because it was like, whatever I thought was going on, there's a lot more going on. And, 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 and it's too much for me to just on my own. So I was like, well, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go ahead and shift all of my everything. Like I'm gonna just, you know, empty my house, get rid of all whatever. And I'm gonna go full time training on VFX for a certain period of time so I can get into the mainstream part of the VFX industry. So I did that and I ended up, I moved out of my house and I, um, I made it so I could, didn't have to work for a period of six months. And I signed up for Lost Boys School of Visual Effects, which is in Montreal mm -hmm. to study Houdini full-time for a six month period. And so I went up there and I did that and it worked. Like I got hired. I was the first person in my group, in my uh, class to get a job offer. It, it was the first place I interviewed, immediately gave me an offer that was digital domain. And my start date, was March 16th, 2020, right? Mm -hmm. Which is when, which was three days after I was supposed to graduate. So I graduated on March 13th of 2020, a Friday. And my start date at Digital Domain was gonna be March 16th of 2020. Now we all know what the heck happened <laughs> in mid-March. I mean, bro, the timing could not have been like, they hired me at the end of February. So I still had mm. three or four weeks before my start date. In February, we didn't really know COVID was gonna be a right. thing. But within those few weeks in March, it really became a thing, <laughs> like a big thing. And the next thing you know, I'm like, they're like, no, they're like, uh, they wouldn't uh, approve my visa, uh, Canada, because they're like, we're all we're on essential visas at this point. If you're not bringing in natural gas or oil or, or water, <laughs> <laughs> you ain't we. You visual effects? You trying to get a visa to do what? Nah. So so that wouldn't go through. And so at some point, I, I you know the lockdown extended. It wasn't a two week thing like they thought it was going to be and, and became a bigger thing. So I had to come back to the States. But that, anyway, the whole point of it is that turned out to be good for me because I came back to my roots in Atlanta where I know a lot of people and there were people doing independent projects. And I got pulled onto the that that independent film Curse of La Patasola. And we made that Just film during COVID. Yeah, we made that film during COVID and it was written for COVID. Like it was written mm. to be able to be shot with only four actors right? Down in Florida, we made a COVID bubble, right? We shot it for like, you know, $250,000 and, and we sold it, you know, we sold it to vertical entertainment and it went to theaters and it's on Hulu now. And that was, that was during COVID. So that is what kind of kept me going. Like the hope that that created for me, you see what I'm saying? Was like, oh shoot, all is not lost because I lost this big job offer or whatever like that. And it turned out to be something better because now I got to work on something that was like, I had more ownership of. I mean, I didn't own the film, but I mean, I was VFX supervisor. So it felt like I really had an influence on the film. Right. So, so that turned out to be great. And then on top of that, I still ended up working for Digital Domain. She hired me a year and a half later once the industry picked back up. She was like, mm -hmm. hey, I know it's been blah, 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 but 
that we're rehiring again. The industry's starting to come back or whatever like that. And I haven't forgotten about you. I really would still love to have you come on board. Okay, it's a year and a half later, but hey, now I work for Digital Domain and I just made staff like a few weeks ago. So I'm like oh, permanent beautiful. staff. Yeah, I made permanent staff. I work in Atlanta. Benefits. Though I have been, I can, I got benefits now. And by the way, for anybody who's interested in working for Digital Domain, we are hiring in all kinds of different fields. And we are hiring out of Atlanta now as of this year because of Tyler Perry, because he set up his studio to be able to shoot during COVID and was able to, to make that deal with Disney, Marvel, to help get Marvel movies shooting again. That is the reason, and my company does a lot of Disney Marvel movies, right? So because of that, they have extended their deal with Tyler Perry Studios to continue the Disney Marvel relationship. And that means they're gonna be shooting in, in Atlanta for like foreseeable, right? Foreseeable years. And so wow. because of that, Digital Domain went ahead and established a payroll center in Atlanta, which is why I'm able to stay in Atlanta. I don't have to move for my job, which we thought. So, wow. yeah, lot, lots of good news and everything, but also lots of good news for my friends. Everybody who's in Atlanta who's trying to get in and work at Digital Domain, hit me up, y'all, because I'm trying to get, you know, it's the time. Let's get in there. You know what I'm saying? Let's make some stuff happen. And don't direct direct message me because I know Darian talking about can you give me the can you give me the friend hookup at uh digital whatever I'm like no you have to contact Darian don't don't yeah. don't do not do not go in my DMs please somebody will be messaging messaging me like yo Floyd can you can you get a proper hookup no you need to send him your resume you need to go through the proper channels don't do that go through don't the channels bro go through the channels yeah y'all y'all can hit me up don't hit Floyd hit me up. Uh, because I do want to get my people on for real. Like I, 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 you know, you've heard me say this in the room lots, Floyd. It's like the, the visual effects industry is is like a it's like a backdoor to the film industry. Like you can get in because it, like we are hungrily hiring people, and there are not enough people who pay attention to visual effects. They all pay attention to like being PAs on set and you know working camera and being grips and and gaffers and stuff like that, which is all good. That's valid. That has to happen. But they. Everybody knows that path. So you're competing with like the whole world. You see what I'm saying? But VFX, people don't really pay attention to that side of it. So if you are willing to just put a little bit of attention and figure out what's going on on that side of things, we can get you in here. And it doesn't mean you have to be like super technical or super artistic. Like we have VFX coordinator roles, right? They have, we have PAs too. Like, like we have all different types of, so if you have some editing skills or if you just have project management skills, or you just, you know, that type of person, we can get you in here somehow. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, just, just, and you'll probably progress a lot faster because I'm, um, trust me, VFX is used in every single film nowadays. It's not, I don't care if you're making like a, a drama about one person in one room, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If that movie is going on a big screen is, as, a, as a thing, it probably has some visual effects in it. Wow. That is amazing. So, guys, that that's another avenue that you can approach to getting in this business. It's great being on the red carpet, but there are plenty of people making an amazing living in this industry, and you never see them. You see their work, but you never see them. And the only time you really do see them is when you're watching the credits roll. That's right. Those are jobs. Those credits rolling are jobs. You see how many jobs there are, right? You see... Yes, that that is a good that's actually thank you for that, Floyd, because 
that's a good way to say explain what I'm trying to explain to people. Watch the credits. Watch how many jobs there are for on set, because those are the first the first set of credits are people who were on set, and then it switches over to visual effects, and it goes. They get they get like three rows. They three get rows. three rows, and they're trying to come up with ways to fit all the names in there. So that mm -hmm. shows you that the visual effects industry is hiring more people than just being on set. It's it's literally more bodies needed. So that means that there are more opportunities. You see what I'm saying? So y'all trying to get in the film industry, come on in through VFX. You know what I'm saying? And 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 get in where you fit in, and, and visual effects people get paid pretty well. So that's the other thing, right? You're you're not gonna be like. If you, if you know a little something about visual effects, once you get a few credits under your name, you're 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 in a pretty good position. You're not really in a situation where you have to wonder where your next uh, job is coming from because you'll have three or four companies reaching out to you at any given time because they know you've got. Once you've got that one or two projects worth of experience, you are set. You know, unless there's a COVID pandemic. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not exactly. There, it's not going away. Unless the whole industry goes away, visual effects isn't going anywhere. It's only getting stronger. So, yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, again, you have been given a master class. I love having these types of guests on because the beauty is you learn a lot and I learn a lot. That's why I absolutely love doing this. And Darren, you're definitely going to have to come back because there are so many questions that I did not get to ask you because I really want to dive into um artificial intelligence and chat gpt but i'm going to yes. save that for another episode because i know that's going to be an entire episode so yeah. we're, we're definitely going to have to have you back on when you come up for a breather because i know you're doing some amazing things right now yeah. but any re any closing remarks before we we uh head on out yeah I, I would say you know just go for it folks like you know what it's like one life this is fun i know that people get like nervous trepidatious and this is like your hopes and your dreams and this that and the other but it's like i've made a lot of mistakes you know what i mean in, in this journey and i feel like it didn't you know it's it doesn't really it's no big deal to make those mistakes you know what i mean because it's like if you make mistakes trying to do the thing that you love doing the most you're just learning and getting better and you know what i mean like you're gonna make mistakes anyway might as well be toward this industry or towards you trying to do this thing that you dreamed of so don't worry about everything being perfect or anything like that. Just try your best, but don't half-ass shit either, though. Okay, because like that shit's not gonna work. <laughs> you're not gonna come in here in the film industry and half-ass some shit and think you're gonna be like the next Michael Jordan. You know, Michael B. Jordan. By the way, I am going to see Creed. I'm about to. Go, I'm. I'm glad you kind of like had a good time on this because I, I am scheduled to go see Creed three in about forty oh, minutes. Oh, I in about forty minutes. <laughs> You said what? I can't wait to see that. I cannot wait to see that. I need, I got to see that fight. That's going to be a good one. That especially with uh Jonathan Majors playing the villain yeah. in this one like that's gonna What? There's going to be some electricity on screen. Anyway, I'm really really excited about it and I'm about to go see it right now with with a few of my friends and we're really excited about it. But but my point is is you know you're not gonna be on the red carpet with michael b jordan if you have fast and shit, bro like you see who he aligned with him ryan coogler that they're a posse they got their whole thing going on but they're killing it they're killing it and i don't want that to to scare anybody 
You know what I'm saying? Because I do believe that you can make mistakes on the way to that, but those mistakes should be made out of you trying your best. So you're trying your best and you're making mistakes. That's different than you just half-assing it and you're mm-hmm. failing. You feel what I'm saying? So just try, just try folks, you know what I mean? And, and guess what? When you try, people see that you tried. Like if somebody tries around me and I see them trying and they're, they're going about it the wrong way, you know what I'm saying? I'll, I'll grab them by the collar and I'll be like, hey, hey, young brother. You know what I'm saying? Man, I see your energy. I see what you're doing. But maybe point your point your efforts in this direction. And you might, you know what I'm saying? That's what we got to do for each other. And, and we're all going to be like we are in. We are in the heyday. Like this is a time that's amazing. Like if, if especially if you're a black in America, I can't speak for everywhere around the world. I don't know what the experience is everywhere. I'm pretty sure there are a lot more opportunities popping up though in a lot more places because of streaming, internet, tools that, that make it more accessible and everything like that. But just speaking from me, my perspective as a black American, right? Born in New York City, raised in Atlanta, Georgia, having seen the movie industry come to Atlanta because it wasn't here when I was growing up, right? And having seen us become the number two city right as far as revenue and 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 what the amount of movies that we work on we we surpassed new york no offense to all the new yorkers you know what i'm saying i was born there but you know what i'm saying atlanta where we're past there right so my point is to see that happen out of nothing and 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 to see black people thriving i i live in the city where tyler perry studios was started you see what i'm saying i saw him fighting some of the white folks who at one point I'm sorry, Floyd, this is a little aside. No, but no, 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 please. But like, so I went to, I went to the Lovett School, right? Which is like a high-end uh, white private school here in, um, here in Atlanta. And that school is in the middle of Buckhead. And when Tyler Perry was coming up, he bought the property across the street from my oh. high school, right? And he was trying to get the whole corner because there's a river there and then there's, there's uh, East Paces Ferry. And so, and Paces Ferry. So he he was trying to get the whole corner, but he had like this piece. So he bought around the corner, but he had one person who was holding out, who was mm. a plastic surgeon who didn't want him, just was holding him out just because of who he was. You get what I'm saying? Mm. Like, it's like he, Tyler Perry was offering him like a million more than the value of his house. Mm. And the dude was just saying no, just to be, you know what I mean? Just to be like, not let him have what he wanted basically. So that's the type of city that I, I grew up in. And and the thing is, but we we own this city now. You know what I mean? It's like to see it go from something that is very antagonistic towards people who look like me to a city where in the movie industry, at least we can thrive. Like we are yeah. thriving. We have studios. We have studios that were built on plantations. You know what I'm saying? And they're owned by somebody black. You get what I'm saying? And now we're, we're, we're making our own wealth and we're doing all of that. I've seen that happen. And so what I'm saying is, yeah, there's still challenges, but we are in the most inspirational and motivational time for people like us and all people, really diverse. Because I, I, I think about myself and our color, but I also think about other people because I want I want to live in a world where everybody can express themselves because that's actually better for all of us, right? And we are there now. Like, you can do these things. Like, I've literally, my conversations with writers who consult with me now, like I was on the phone earlier with a, with a friend, a clubhouse friend actually. And he was like, well, should I be writing this in this way? It's got these visual effects and it's gotta be. And I said, you know what, this is 2023. What I would have told you two years ago isn't the same as mm-hmm. what I'll tell you now, which is write it, 
write it the way you want to write it because and then let's look at it because we might be able to find a way to actually do it it's possible nowadays so I'll, I'll leave it with that floyd i get excited i get hyped about this stuff but I, I feel like there's no better time to be in the film industry you know what i'm saying because it, it it this is a can industry at this point it is turned from a cannot and we're going to keep you out too everybody can get in and 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 everything is possible yeah so that was beautifully said and it is a can industry but you you, you definitely have to do the you got to put in the work you, if like you put in the said, work, it's a can industry. Yeah, it's a can yeah. industry. And, and yeah. you can't approach it half. You cannot approach this with a half-ass attitude. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, as Monica said, you know, people in higher positions in the industry love to help you when they see you're giving it your all. And if you just do it and you stick with it and you develop habits and you develop another C word, which is consistency, consistency, mm. consistency, consistency. You got to be consistent. You gotta be consistent. You just can't do it one day and say, ah, I don't feel like doing it today. Even when you don't feel like it, you gotta do it. That's why I always say, I prefer discipline over motivation any day of the week because motivation to me is like five hour energy. Motivation is like five hour energy. You, you get yeah. woo, ah. Motivation yeah. is the first week in January when everybody goes to the gym. Discipline yes. is June on a Friday June. when it's 80, degree out, 80 degrees outside and you in the gym in a squat rack. That's mm -hmm. discipline. And yes, not sir. a lot of people have that. They have a lot of motivation. Right. Well, I saw you January, but I don't see you in June. Where you at? Motivation is when you first meet that person and y'all are so flirty, flirty. Right. Yeah, I love you and I da 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 da. Discipline is six, seven years down the road. And, and you know, are you are you still making plates for each other? Are y'all still like, you know what I'm saying? Are you still like, you know Brother. what I'm saying? That, that's, right. that's it. Passion years. is not gonna it's not gonna get you in a no. long-term relationship, bro. No, no, no. <laughs> I know we gotta get out of here, but I've been married for 35 years. So you you know so, what I'm talking about. Player, it, it, even <laughs> if you come at me with, with seven years, if you come in seven years, I'm like, you still in the honeymoon phase. Please don't, don't come in with no don't come in with no complaints with your, with your seven with your seven-year ass. I don't even want to hear that. <laughs> seven years. What's wrong with you? Shut up. Come on now. <laughs> but, 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 I, but I get your point. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you yeah. so much for uh, hanging out with us for the last hour and some change. We we truly enjoyed having you here. And uh, yeah, I hope you have enjoyed this. Out. Yeah, I, I hope you guys have enjoyed this as much as I do. If you have, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Algorithm, algorithm, algorithm. And if you like the episode, please share with your friends. Because the one thing that I love doing is having people share knowledge. And you definitely got some knowledge on this on this podcast and Darian again thank you so much for for coming on the show you definitely have to come back and you know create the culture don't consume it ladies and gentlemen just like this gentleman is doing he's creating the culture but he ain't consuming it he's creating it and you can yes. do the same thing just like he just laid out it, it is just just go ahead and do it and uh on that note as I always like to say love this like a hobby ladies and gentlemen but above all else, treat it like a business. And again, Woo. thank you guys so much for joining a conversation with, with our amazing guest, Darian. What's that last name? Donju. 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 And we didn't yes. even talk about where that last name originated. We got to do that on the next We're going to do all Ladies. of that. We're going to do all of yes. it. Yeah. Thanks for having Ladies. me. Floyd, you're the man, bro. Yes. Thank you, bro. Truly appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, have a phenomenal night.